I certainly, for speaking for myself, like the idea that patients own their own data and have control over their own data. I mean, honestly, what, what possible excuse for your healthcare data to not be as much yours as your bank statement? Um, and so I'm completely down with that. Um, but as to how much difference it really makes and how many consumers have the desire for that level of engagement with their own data right. remains to be seen. Hello and welcome to Hymnscast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. In early June at its WWDC event, Apple announced a new uh, several new capabilities around record sharing, both sharing uh, information from its health apps with friends and family and sharing patient-generated data directly into the EHR with participating EHR partners. Apple had previously uh, announced some integration with EHRs, but uh, never to this extent with patient-generated data and this um, kind of this direction of information controlled by the patient. We're going to talk a little bit about this announcement, what it means, and how it might affect the industry more broadly. And here to join me for that conversation is Michael Abrams. Michael is the co-founder and a managing partner at Numeroff & Associates, a healthcare consulting firm. Thanks for joining us, Michael. My pleasure, Jonah. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about um, sort of the work that you do and how it, how it sort of... Um, is relevant, how, how it positioned you to sort of uh, receive this news and, and comment on it? Well, Numeroff consults globally with the whole range of healthcare players. We work with healthcare providers, with manufacturers of pharmaceuticals and medical devices, and we work with payers as well. I guess the most relevant part of what we do has to do with our work with manufacturers uh, particularly in the pharmaceutical area, we work with manufacturers to help identify what the real value proposition is for the, their product so that they can effectively commercialize it. Uh, since they have to convince any number of stakeholders that their product is worth buying, uh, we help them customize their value proposition for payers, for healthcare providers, for clinicians, uh, and for any number of other stakeholder groups that need to be brought along in terms of the, uh, whether or not the product they're offering in the marketplace is worth the price and whether the marginal value is worth the marginal cost. Interesting. So, I mean, did you know this was coming or were you uh, surprised as everyone else when Apple made the announcement? Well, truthfully, I mean, they announced that this was coming uh, in 2018, and along the way, they have, perhaps in a low-profile sort of way, uh, struck deals with various healthcare delivery systems to trial it out, okay, and to, to see how it works and, and to work out, I'm sure, the bugs. Yeah, um, but this announcement still, it felt, I mean, it felt new in a couple of ways, right? Um, it, a lot of the Apple EHR sharing that was happening before was more about the records that were created in the hospital going into the patient's health app, whereas this is really about 
Apple health data, which is something, you know, whatever they collect from the device, from the watch, from surveys in, in third-party apps or whatever, um, being able to be shared to both care providers and to family members, which is totally new. Um, so how do you think this is going to change that landscape for the people that you work with and, and more generally for providers and for payers? Well, you know, I do think that this was an important step for Apple. Uh, you know, you do mention what it, some of the capabilities of this new app, and they're interesting. Uh, I think that they're similar to what the competition is doing. I mean, Amazon's Halo collects data from its wearable and, uh, and makes that available. Uh, Alphabet, Google's uh, Fitbit does much the same thing. Uh, so this is not entirely, you know, a breakthrough, but it's certainly something that Apple needed to do to, at the very least, keep up with the competition. Right. Apple's been, they've been working on this, as I said, for some years now, and they've been working at it very slowly and methodically. And then as, uh, as I mentioned, uh, testing it out in small ways, uh, working out the bugs and so on. Um, so you know, I think it's an important milestone and it promises, I think, more from Apple in terms of what comes next. I think the real payoff for Apple would be uh, if they're able to prove that their combination of services, uh, software uh, and, and wearables actually makes a difference in the cost and the quality of healthcare. And if they're able to do that, there is the potential to quite literally franchise that combination to healthcare systems and perhaps to uh, healthcare systems globally. So to, to be clear, my understanding is that, the, you know, you mentioned several competitors, obviously, that are that are also collecting data. Um, and some of them do have data repositories like Apple's Health app. Um, but to me, the, the potential... Thing, well, I'll, I'll guess I'll say what was game changing about Apple Health Records when they announced it you know, several years ago, and what's you know potentially game changing about this isn't isn't so much the collection of the data or the even the storage of the data, but but this idea that you can share it, um, you know, and and that that's controlled by the patient. So now the patient has this agency, um, you know, because the, historically the keeper of our health data has been our doctor. You know, it's been stored, locked away in an EHR that we can't access. And if we switch doctors, we have to call them up and tell them to send that information to the new doctor. Um, so there's this shift, this idea that like uh, the repository of your health data about you could, you know, could live with you or live on your phone. And I, I think that's what Google Health tried to do, you know, 10 years ago. And or, or um, Microsoft Health Vault, um, and, and they found there just wasn't enough practicality or interest to get consumers to adopt something like that. But by bundling it in with you know the current era of apps, it, it almost seems like now we might really be entering in this age where you know consumers very in a very um, a very not abstract, very concrete way uh, own their their health data. I mean, do you think that's do you think that's a fair way to frame it, or do you think I'm uh, overstating the case? Honestly, Jonah, I I think the jury's still out on what the reception of this is going to be. 
I certainly, for speaking for myself, like the idea that patients own their own data and have control over their own data. I mean, honestly, what, what possible excuse for your healthcare data to not be as much yours as your bank statement? Um, and so I'm completely down with that. Um, but as to how much difference it really makes and how many consumers have the desire for that level of engagement with their own data right. remains to be seen. And, and as for sharing it with healthcare providers, you know, uh, the life of a healthcare provider is, has been only getting more and more hectic. I can't remember ever having a healthcare provider ask me to keep track of how many steps I took or um, how did I sleep or get, sort of keep a, a notebook or a, a diary of some sort, which would have been the only way to do it, you know, in times past, but it's never happened. And so for me to present my uh, primary care physician with data on my sleep patterns or my steps or what have you, is something he never asked for ever before. Uh, does he have a use for it now? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you could see it in particular cases, but I also think like, you know, 99% of people who are, are general, well, I won't say 99% of people are generally healthy, but, you know, for the majority of the population who, who are generally healthy, they have uh, acute conditions that come up, get treated. Um, you know, this, this kind of tracking might very well be kind of uh, not necessary or overkill. But I do wonder about patients with chronic conditions. Um, you, you can imagine it, it gets more interesting um, and uh, for, for the you know, doctors to be able to see that trend data and see how, you know, how are you exercising, how are you eating, things like that. And, and for diabetics, we already have systems that capture um, blood sugar uh, on a regular basis and download it for the doctor to see. And even uh, systems that will flag uh, variation in blood, pre uh, blood sugar readings uh, for the physician so that they can do something about it. But um, again, I don't think physicians are looking for one more thing to do. And uh, yeah. when, when it comes to automated, syst automated data collection and monitoring systems, Physicians not only rely on software algorithms to pick out what's a meaningful variation, they rely on PAs and techs to scrutinize the data and come to them and say, you need to do something about this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of startups, I feel like, have sort of framed this the same way that, you know, that. You know, it's great that you can collect this data and share it with your physician. Your physician's not doesn't have the time to be interested in it, probably. Um, and and one solution you see is this idea of introducing health coaches, or you know, in the case of diabetes, like certified diabetes educators, and and these different uh, different folks who actually you know could make it their job to to worry about your data on that granular level uh and to build these systems and i'm thinking about like lavango and omada and stuff like that um that sort of integrates that coaching and that data collection and all those pieces um so i wonder if if you know i mean the nice thing about apple's framework and and other other companies that are doing similar things is that you know it 
you can share you can use to share with your doctor but if it turns out that's not who needs it you should be able to adapt the same framework to be able to share it with some other kind of professional or indeed a, a non-professional caregiver which is the other thing that they announced right right but you know what you're talking about touches on another issue that is really central to this discussion and that is this whole idea of staying well obviously the patient has an interest okay in 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 monitoring their own health and some will and some won't but doing so in an effort to stay on the right side of wellness if you will but that's not the model that most healthcare delivery organizations are following they only get paid well let me backtrack because they work on a fee for service basis they get paid for doing things to you when you're sick and taking time, for example, to keep on top of what your blood sugar or any other metric looks like is not something they get paid for. If you have a heart condition and you have uh, a wearable that is collecting data on, um, you know, on your heart and it, it downloads, uh, again, I think there, uh, there are systems that will monitor that and bring deviations to the physician's attention, or I should say, bring it to the attention of the tech that whose job it is, but they get paid on a per patient basis to do that. But nobody gets paid on a per patient basis to monitor your weight or your sleep patterns or a lot of other metrics. They're of interest perhaps to me, but not to my physician. And until we change, now the point is, I guess, until we change the way that healthcare is delivered such that you, you align uh, incentives in a way that makes healthcare providers have an interest in your staying well, then until we do that, I, I do wonder how much interest this data will have except in selected cases where you have an identified chronic condition and here's the important part, that the provider can get paid for monitoring a particular metric that you can collect and download to him or her. Right. I mean, that's a great point. The fee-for-service model, which, you know, we don't seem to be moving away from entirely, you know, anytime soon, really doesn't incentivize this kind of wellness-oriented thinking or or continuous health monitoring. Um, And yet, you know, tech companies, big and small, are investing in it so much. They must see a way forward, either by taking the payment outside of the traditional healthcare spent, you know, system entirely, or offering it as a direct to consumer product, which we which we've seen, or you know, maybe betting on value based care coming around eventually. But I don't know. How do you see it all playing out? So let me let me give you some context uh, for my comments. Um, Numeroff has been doing a national survey regarding value-based care for uh, six years now. We've just finished analyzing, I think, the, the, the fifth, fifth data set. And in spite of all the talk about value-based care or population health, for six years now, we've been expecting um, a meaningful surge in the extent to which value-based care 
contracts displace fee for service contracts and it hasn't happened. Mm. Um, the average hospital across the country gets perhaps 15% of its revenue through contracts that have either an upside only or an upside and downside potential. And so the, the notion that hospitals would have an interest in keeping you well and keeping you out of the hospital, only, you know, I could say it matters 15% of the time, but I, I would say quite candidly, when it's that small a component of what a hospital is doing, the dominant uh, philosophy is heads and beds. Okay. Yeah. That's, and that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Now, to your point, though, um, there are non-traditional providers that are rapidly coming into the healthcare arena. And for those providers, technology is the leading, is, is the tip of the, the, the sword for them. Sorry, tip, I'm mixing my metaphors, but in any case, um, providers like CVS, for example, have opened up uh, clinics across the country and they, they are planning on and focusing on chronic disease treatment. Well, if that's what you're focusing on, then uh, the target is going to be value-based contracts where you get paid on a per member per month basis for each, each member who is covered in a particular policy that the insurer brings to you. And you agree to take care of those people, which is to say it makes sense for you to do everything you can to keep them out of the hospital. And technology is going to be a big part of that. And I think the technology that we're talking about, Apple's technology or Amazon's Halo or Alphabet's Fitbit, all of that fits into that picture. And particularly in specific therapeutic areas, if they can deliver up data that shows that the use of their product um, saves money and, and improves the quality of care and keeps people well, which is sort of implicit in what I'm describing, then they will have a very viable combination of uh, software and, and services to, uh, to sell. So that could yeah. be very profitable for them. I'm just saying that the dominant component of our healthcare system, which is traditional healthcare providers, um, you know, most of them are not much interested in this because once again, they don't get paid for it. I had an experience uh, when I, a couple of years ago, when we were still doing in-person conferences, I went to a population health conference at uh, Jefferson in, in Philadelphia, and they had an expo and the, and the floor was covered with um, entrepreneurs in booths that were selling technology in one form or another that promised to help healthcare providers do the things they need to do and do them more seamlessly, faster, with more accuracy and so on and so forth. And as a group, they were terribly frustrated because for most of them, you know, to buy, for example, a database tool that allows you to quickly isolate the high utilizing patients so that you can 
focus on them and do something to keep them from being such high utilization patients. That's not something you can charge. It has no, it has no CPT code associated with it. Hospitals can't get reimbursed for it. And because they don't get reimbursed for it, they don't see a reason to be interested in it. So the group that it does feel like has a, a payment model that would actually um, dovetail with this technology is um, payers, right? I mean, we saw the United Healthcare Fitbit partnership a few years ago. Um, you know, they 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 do benefit if they keep their their members out of the hospitals and they don't have to pay their bills. And so it, it does make sense for them to invest in you know some kind of preventative wellness measures. Um, I mean, do you think that that's an area where this technology could take off in lieu of, uh, of it clicking with the providers? That is very possibly the wave of the future. In fact, someone has even coined a term for it. Well, I should say, let me add this. Yes, not only payers will want to be, uh, uh, would be interested in something like Apple is selling, but payers are increasingly buying into provider networks. And the, the, new, the new term for that is a payvider. And, and the truth is that a payer who is also a provider goes a long way towards reconciling the, the misaligned incentives that you currently have between providers and payers. When the, when the payer is also the provider, there's no more tension over who gets what. There's every reason to take steps to keep the patient out of the hospital. And we are seeing more and more of that in, in every phase of healthcare. In fact, there was a, a recent acquisition by Humana of a company called One Home. It's a home health company. And it's a good example of what we're talking about. Um, Humana is uh, number two after United in terms of market share, uh, hospital market share across the country. And um, Humana has set its sights on building out its capability in the Medicare space and in particular Medicare Advantage, which is uh, in most, most cases capitated. They had already purchased Kindred uh, healthcare to augment their network of providers and and other clinical staff so that they had uh, a geographically spread out um, network of people who could deliver home health care. And in buying one one uh, one home, what they were buying and what one home had made a name for itself in doing was, being profitable in capitated contracts for home health. And, and so Humana's plan is to meld the technology developed by One Home with the infrastructure and, and the troops on the ground, so to speak, that they had acquired from Kindred and build out a home health program that can be profitable under a capitated arrangement that they can offer to other payers, as well as to uh, the government pay, uh, government entities and commercial payers that have an obligation to deliver this benefit to their covered uh, members. 
So there's an example where under the right circumstances, uh, this can have a very viable market, just so far at least, not with conventional healthcare delivery providers. Got it. Um, we're starting to run towards the end of our time. Do you have any other um, any other thoughts or aspects of this that you want to make sure we discuss or that are on your mind? Well, uh, you know, I guess you will um, violently agree with me that, that technology really is becoming the critical aspect of entrepreneurship in, in this uh, time that is being more and more characterized by the enormous amount of innovation and entrepreneurship in the healthcare delivery space. I mean, a $2.6 trillion market whose, um, whose customers are mostly dissatisfied with what they're getting because they're paying almost twice as much as they should and the product they're getting is below par. That, mm-hmm. That's very attractive to companies like Amazon uh, for example, that is my nominee for the most technological savvy and best example of a company that's making technology the critical differentiator for them. Not only have they revolutionized uh, the, the uh, online retail, but they're in the process of, quite frankly, I think, revolutionizing the pharma space. Uh, through through Amazon Pharma and now Amazon Diagnostics. Um, I think that Amazon is doing a, a very impressive job with technology and using that to, to make all the transactions that are involved seamless and, and pretty much effortless on the part of the consumer, and that's key. Totally. You know, as, as I mentioned with this other acquisition of one if, with Humana and One Health, Technology can be the difference between being profitable and not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. <laughs> this has been such an interesting discussion. I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed um, went in a direction I wasn't entirely expecting. You know, talking about the economics of this technology and the and the economics of patient owned or patient generated health data. You know, I, I think a lot of times this gets siloed into a technology conversation and then people ask questions like, you know, what will it take for this tech to catch on? And so, you know, the idea that what it, what it will take is different payment models and different incentives and it has nothing to do with the technology and how good or, or bad it is and is, um, can be a little disheartening, but I think it's, it's a really interesting, um, and important perspective. Well, I think the technology does matter in, in that, the interface with consumers is critical. And if that interface makes it uh, seamless, painless, easy to understand for sort of for people that aren't that non, you know, that technical and can really make the payoffs very easy to get and accessible, then you have a much better chance of making that commercially viable. But in, unless you have that, you've got a solution, you've got a solution looking for a problem. Well, it's been great chatting with you, Michael. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, Thank you all for listening. As always, we'll include some links in the show notes to some articles we've written around some of these topics. Um, It was a wide-ranging discussion, so we'll have a a lot to share with you there. Um, Until next time, keep innovating, keep being a healthcare changemaker. Bye.